All right, church, good morning. I have got to the point where I'm going to start telling my son not to speak up here on Sunday mornings. Um, I would say that he gets that from his mother, but I do like sleeping in my own bed. And so we'll just leave it at that, amen? But church, is good to see you. I've been looking forward to this day for some time with Connection Sunday. It's going to be a great day. And uh, something that we're going to do this morning that a lot of you all don't even know about is we're actually going to have an individual come up and give their testimony. And so it's going to be an awesome opportunity for you to hear the Word of God and to also hear someone else's testimony this morning. And so I've had some other people ask me, you know, Brother Donnie, what's the meal for? Well, the meal is for all of us, whether if you are a new member, a prospective member, or if you've been a member here for 40 years, you're thinking about joining this church, we want you to stay around, we want you to eat with us and fellowship with us, and we want everyone to get to know, especially our new members in our church, amen? That's what this is about, is connecting people to each other not just the Christ, but we also want to make sure that we're connecting with each other as well. So I pray that you have your Bible with you this morning. Give you a few seconds here to go ahead and open up to the book of Acts chapter 26. And we're going to look at verses 9 through 18 this morning is where uh, our scripture is going to come from. But we're also going to jump around some, into some other scripture this morning as well. So Acts chapter 26, 9 through 18. You can see the title of the sermon this morning. It's reaching others through our what? And notice the word our because it's personal, amen? It's, it's a personal testimony. And so if you've been around the church for any decent amount of time, then you have probably heard this word testimony. So what is a testimony? Well, a testimony is, or a Christian's testimony, is their personal story of how one placed their faith in who? In Jesus Christ. But a Christian's testimony doesn't end at one's conversion. See, throughout the life of a Christian, I believe that God adds to our story. I believe there are certain things that we go through in life. Sometimes it's joyful events. Sometimes it's not so joyful events. And the Lord uses these things to help build our what? To help build our testimony. See, there's the story of your conversion when you first believed, when you were saved, and when you were baptized, and then there's also the building of one's testimony, which includes our conversion story, as well as specific events in which the Lord did something. Now, this something can be a million different things. The something can be answered prayer. The something can be maybe it was a healing. The something could be a praise. The something could be a, a, a hardship. The something could be a lesson learned or maybe a situation in which the Lord brought you through. So this morning I want to share with you the importance of sharing our personal testimony and how our testimony can help bring others to who? To Jesus Christ. So let's read Acts 26 verses 9 through 18. This is the Apostle Paul and he is sharing his personal testimony with King Agrippa. So listen to these words. Verses 9 through 18, Acts chapter 26. So then, I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. 
And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. Paul was a Christian terrorist, church. Verse 11, And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. This is the Apostle Paul. Verse 12. While so I engaged, I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. Listen what happened to this Christian terrorist. Verse 13. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Is it hard for you to kick against the Goads? And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up, stand up on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. And then verse 18. Listen to this. To open their what? To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those have been sanctified by faith in me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity for us to come and have small groups. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you give us to come and, and, and tithe and give, uh, Lord, our, our gifts to you this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we had to raise our voices, Lord, to you in song. Lord, we thank you so much. God, you, you love us unconditionally. Lord, it's a love that bypasses my understanding, Lord, as I look from day to day. And and I ask myself sometimes, Father, Lord, how do you love us so much? But, Father, you do. Lord, you continue to give us opportunities to worship. You continue to give us opportunities to serve. And, Lord, as we've come into your house, and now's the time to hear your word. Father, I pray this morning you will open up every heart that's here, Lord, no matter the age. Father, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit is already at work moving, God. Lord, I pray this morning, if there's someone here that is looking for a church home, Father, they'll see you here, Lord, and they'll see love. Father, I pray this morning for our new members, Lord, that have joined in 2021, God, that you will just bless them and use them as they serve you, Lord, here at our church and in our communities. And Father, for new ones that will come, Lord, we we know that your blessing is God, and we thank you so much from our children to our youth. Lord, to adding, Lord, to our our music. Father, thank you so much for answered prayer. And God, as we continue to pray to see people get saved and baptized, Lord, we pray for your will. We pray for your guidance. So, Father, I pray this morning that people, as they leave this place today, Lord, I pray that they will know that they have been in your presence. Lord, that the Holy Spirit is moving in their life. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, 
Amen. Hope you got your sermon outlined there together as we're going to work through that real quickly this morning. So as the Apostle Paul, as he stretched out his chained hands to give his testimony to King Agrippa here in Acts 26, we see Paul share his conversion story, and we see Paul share just a little bit of his personal testimony. And what's unique about Paul's motive is that Paul shared his story in hopes of having other people like King Agrippa and others who could hear his voice. He wanted them to place their faith in who as well? In Jesus Christ. So Paul was not just up there wasting oxygen. Paul was not just up there sharing an emotional feel-good story. But Paul is right here in front of the king, and he is sharing his personal testimony because God not only wanted him to share his testimony, but Paul is sharing his personal testimony in hope that other people would place their faith in who? In Jesus Christ. And as Paul shared his testimony, I thought how our testimony may be our own. But I want you to listen to what this quote says. Your story is the key that can unlock someone else's prison. Have you ever thought about that, church? I, I want to read that one more time. Your story is the key that can unlock someone else's prison. Now, when people come into this church, they expect to hear the Word of God from who? From me. They expect to hear the Word of God from the Sunday school teachers. They expect to hear the Word of God from Billy. They expect to hear the Word of God from Austin as he teaches our children and as he teaches our youth. But I'm going to tell you, church, and all of my years of experience... And my 14 years of pastoring and my Christian journey, one of the most powerful things that I've ever experienced in the church is when people are willing to share their personal story. I have seen more people come to Jesus Christ. I have I've seen men come to this altar and bawl like babies. I have seen women run to this altar as quick as they can. I have seen children and youth that were changed by people's testimonies. Because there's something powerful. That story may be your own. But it's what we do with that story. And how we share that story. Because here's the thing. There are things in your life that you have been through. Good times and what? And bad times. There are struggles in your life that you have been through. There are temptations in your life that you have been through. You have been on the mountaintop and you have been in the valley. And there's things that you can share with other people. And when they hear other people in the church, oh, the, the church, the, the common folk per se, when we hear your testimony, that person beside you may be looking and thinking, wow, if Jesus can save them and change their life, then Jesus can what? He can change me. And He can save my life. So this morning, I want us to know just how important our testimony is by reminding, of, reminding us of five important factors that's found there in your sermon outline. And number one is this. Speaking up is expected. Number one. Now, I know this sounds a little bit bold. I tried to find some ways to water it down this week, but God kept saying, it's not your job to water it down. 
So the very first one, speaking up is what? It's expected. Now, preacher, what are you talking about? Now, we're going to move around to some different scripture this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says this, Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, but I want you to do it with what? Gentleness, and I want you to do it with reverence. When Paul was brought forth into the presence of the king, he was prepared to share how the story of how Jesus became his personal Savior. So whether if we're defending our faith or if we're sharing our testimony, I firmly believe that Jesus calls us to be responsible to share our story, which in turn means if we're sharing our personal story, that means we're sharing whose story? That means we're sharing Jesus' story. If someone asked you this morning, if they said, I would love to hear your personal testimony, would you be prepared? Would you be prepared? And this doesn't mean we share our testimony out of anger. It doesn't mean that we share our testimony out of rudeness because Paul says to be prepared to share it with what? With gentleness and with reverence, just like Paul did in front of the king. So, Brother Donnie, you're you're telling me that when I get saved, you're telling me that when I get baptized and I, and I decide that I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to follow Jesus, you're telling me that speaking up about Jesus, you're telling me that sharing my personal testimony of how I came to Jesus Christ, God is expecting that of me. Absolutely. Amen? Church, we've been quiet long enough. Speaking up is expected. Well, Brother Donnie, you don't know what people are going to say. You don't know what people are going to do. You don't know how people are going to act. You don't know what they're going to say. Well, I'd rather do something than do nothing. Now, you can live in faith or you can live in fear. And the Bible says that he didn't give you a spirit of Timothy, but he gave you a spirit of what? Of strength. So when God saves you, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, when you decide that, yes, I'm a believer, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, that means God has already empowered you to be able to share your what? Your story. Church, how long has it been since you shared your personal testimony? How long has it been since you've told somebody about how Jesus saved you, how Jesus forgave you? And how Jesus came into your life. How long has it been? And then number two, others need to hear what Jesus has what? Has done for you. Other people need to hear what Jesus has done for you. So listen to the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy, which Austin actually shared with our kids. He said this, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer, even though I was once a persecutor, even though I was a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out abundantly along with the faith and love that's in Jesus. And here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I was the what? 
of whom I was the worst. Can you imagine sitting here and you're sharing your testimony and you look at someone and you tell them, if Jesus can save me, he can save you. Paul says, I was the worst of sinners. Paul says, I was a Christian terrorist. Paul says, I was there when they were killed. Paul says, I was there when they were sentenced. Paul says, I was there when they were scoffed at and when they were laughed at and when they said they were worshiping some false Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Paul says, I was there. And I was part of it. I was a violent man. I was a horrible person. He said, but I acted in unbelief. He said, I acted in ignorance. Because why? Because he was lost. Because he didn't know Jesus. You know, when we look around this world today and we see all of the crime, when we see all of the sin and we see all of the stuff that's going on in our world, we, we see it and we watch it and we ask ourselves, God, what is going on in our world today, Father? Why is there so much crime? Why is there so much hate? Why is there so much death? Why is there so much evilness that's going on in our world today? Church, can I tell you why that is? Because of sinfulness. And people are lost. But can I tell you what they need? They need Jesus. They need a Savior. They're acting in unbelief. And they're acting in ignorance. Because they've not been touched by the Holy Ghost. They've not been saved. When Jesus went through the town of Samaria, the Bible tells us that he met a Samarian woman in which he revealed to her just about everything that one could possibly know. Jesus revealed to her about who he was. Jesus revealed to her about everything that had happened, basically, in her life. And the Bible tells us that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of that woman's what? Her story. Because of that woman's testimony. Listen, church, small groups are awesome. Wednesday night Bible studies are awesome. Coming to worship on Sunday is awesome. Working with children and youth and adults is awesome. Going on mission trips is awesome. But others need to hear what Jesus has done for you. They need to know. They need to hear. And then number three is this. Our actions speak what? Loudly. Our actions speak loudly. When it comes, or when it comes to being a, a Christian, Jesus expects, how do I say this nicely? He expects much more than lip service. Amen. For many, their Christianity falls back to their conversion story, but their current actions may not resemble who they say they are. Have you ever felt that way? I know I have. Have you ever said something or did something in which the Holy Spirit convicted you either at that moment or maybe it was hours later, maybe it was a day later, maybe it was weeks later and you, you didn't handle a situation with Christian actions and unfortunately your testimony took a hit. 
whether if it's fair or not, people are always watching when you're a Christian. And I realize that we're never going to be perfect in this body. But can I also say that's not a legitimate excuse? I've heard many Christians, and I'm sure many of us have said these words. Well, I'm not what? I'm not perfect. As our crutch to participate in sinful activity, or our crutch to participate in sinful talk. But I want you to listen to what the Bible says. Philippians 1.27, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Colossians 3.17 says, whether you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up meeting together as some in the habit of doing. Our actions speak what? Loudly. Whether if it's our actions at work, our actions at play, our actions at church, how we treat our neighbors or a random person we come in contact with, our commitment to corporate worship and to our church family, our actions say a lot. Someone once said these words. They said, your most powerful testimony is how you treat others after the church service is over. I think there's a lot of truth in that church. Amen. And then number four is this. Our testimony is a reminder of God's love and our responsibility to Him. John 3.16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal what? But have eternal life. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in who? He lives in me. Matthew 5, 13 through 14. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the what? You are the light of the world. Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as your what? As yourself. Back in Acts chapter 26, as King Agrippa responded to Paul's testimony, listen to the words, the king's words, and then listen to Paul's words. The king replied to Paul, in a short time you will persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would wish to God that whether in a short or a long time, not only you, but also who can hear me this day, might become such as I am except for these chains. Paul wanted them all to be what? Paul wanted them all to be saved. God loves us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross that we could place our faith in him. The Bible says to receive forgiveness through him. And with that promise, the Bible says we have eternal what? We have eternal life. But as Paul explains, he wished for all of those who could hear that day to become a What? To become a Christian. And how is that happening? Because Paul was sharing his what? His story. Paul was sharing of who he had been. 
and who he was. And don't ever use this excuse, well, I'm telling you, Pastor, God can't never change me. Let me tell you, when you say that, I can promise you, you've never met my God. Because the Bible says with God all things are possible. The Bible says that God calls all men to be saved. So I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you've been. I don't know where you come from. I don't know what's happened in your life. But I'm going to tell you this. I know a Savior that can save you and that will forgive you, that will pick you up and that will dust you off and will let you serve right beside him. That's the kind of God that we save or that we serve. And then number five is this. Embrace your new what? Embrace your new what, church? Your new identity. The Apostle Paul sailed thousands of miles, the Bible tells us, to preach the gospel. He sailed thousands of miles to plant churches, to educate leaders within the church. And I don't know how many of you all realize this or not, but the Apostle Paul, who was once a Christian terrorist, authored half of the new what? Testament. This man embraced his new identity in Jesus Christ. Matthew 4, 19, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Matthew 4, 19, Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of what? Of me. Do you see how your life changed there? Are you with me this morning, church? Jesus said, you follow me, and I'll make you fishers of. That means now your identity has changed. Amen. Whatever you ran to before, whatever you clung on to before, Jesus says, I got something new for you. I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're going to share the gospel. And you know why you're going to share the gospel? Because when you meet Jesus and you get forgiven and you get given new life, you can't keep it what? You can't keep it inside. You have to share it. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new what? He's a new creature. The old things have passed. Behold, the new things have come. Romans 1, 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Psalm, 5, Psalm 105, verse 1, Make known his deeds among his people. Make known Jesus among the people. You know, many times I feel like Christians are hesitant to tell others that they are followers of Jesus because we feel like that we'll lose friends. We feel like we'll lose opportunities. We feel like we'll lose advancements. Or we'll create drama, discomfort, or uneasiness. But let me ask you, church, what are we really losing when we don't spread the gospel? I can tell you what we're losing. We're losing the opportunities that can unlock someone else's prison. That's what we're losing. Jesus didn't save us to keep our stories to ourselves. Amen. He saved us so we could tell others our story, which explains his story. At the very bottom of your little outline there this morning, Right there in those five little spaces, S-H-A-M.
are Eve. You're what? Your story. So this morning, that's exactly what we're going to hear. Brother Gordon, come on up. something about my little town first of all that I'm proud of. It had a college there at one time. Elementary school from first to the twelfth grade. E.S. Farrell and Sons was the second largest wholesaler in the state of Kentucky. Belknap was the only larger wholesaler than E.S. Farrell was. We had two churches. A Methodist church and a Baptist church. International Harvester dealer. E.S. Farrell owned a bank, they owned a hardware store, and they owned a drugstore. Plus, they covered acres and acres with their warehouses. There was three grocery stores, one department store, two barbers, one beauty salon, place that made stones. Might not think that's very big. One doctor's office, one telephone exchange. I can remember when phones rung into the exchange. There and the woman had to plug into whoever you wanted to talk to. All these things that I've mentioned here, I have seen with my own eyes and experienced them. How time has made a change in but I'm gonna go back to some of these that I read off to you there. Our school, Buffalo School, was just two blocks from the Baptist Church. When revival was going on there, I guess it was in the spring, they dismissed school and let all the children go to revival. Can you imagine what would happen today if that would take place? How much would it change the lives of people if they could go to church during school? We went, that's where I got saved, Donnie. The old church, Buffalo Baptist Church, that I knew then had been torn down. But you know, I believe I could still take you within four feet mm -hmm. of where I was standing that morning that he spoke to me. You know why? Because I was there when it happened. And so I guess I ought to know. Lord help us. But it was a phenomenal time. And I went home that day and told my parents, 
I've been saying, I was raised in a small country church, 35 or 40 on Sunday morning with a good crowd. And all I can hear my grandmother praying, calling each one of her grandchildren's names. Lord, would you save them? We're not doing that enough. Mm-hmm. By no means. There used to be in that little church, there was a little blue card that hung up over the preacher's head there. It was about an eight and a half by 11. Had three things, statements on it. Do nothing that you'd want to be doing when Jesus comes. Be no place that you'd want to be when Jesus comes. And say nothing that you'd want to say when Jesus comes. How many thousand times do you think I've read that? I'd give anything to be able to find that little blue piece of paper or whatever it was, cardboard, that was hung up there over the preacher's head and to be able to read it boldly. Little things like that will make a big difference in our lives. I said I got saved at Buffalo Baptist Church and went home and told my parents. Sometime that summer, I was baptized in Big Pittman Creek, over between Sandy Y and Campbellsville, Kentucky. There was a bunch of us baptized that day. Uh, you don't know what hard work is or what going to face you in life, especially young people. My dad was, about 1956, was a mechanic at Fort Knox and had a severe heart attack while he was laying underneath of an army tank. He spent six weeks in Ireland Army Hospital, come home, stayed a week, spent four weeks in Ardmore Hospital. They didn't know what to do for a heart attack. Back then, I put you under an oxygen tent. I learned right quick the value of friends and neighbors. Mm-hmm. I was 14 years old. Wasn't old enough to drive. And by today's standards, my mom was a little old-fashioned again. She never learned to drive. But boy, could she cook something good on an old iron skillet. <laughs> Best pineapple upside down cake I ever ate in my life. My mom would make it in an old black skillet. But we had about over an acre of tobacco that year. And on Wednesday, all the masons, not on Wednesday, all the neighbors showed up and cut every bit of that piece of tobacco one day. On Saturday, the Mason showed up and they put every stick of it in the barn. Man, you don't know what. How you can touch somebody's life until you do something and you share what God has given you. He sure did show me a lot of things, ain't he? When I was Old enough to drive, I decided 
That was about at night. A lot of nights, I dreaded to go home. I was afraid that I was going to have to go get the doctor, Dr. Crabtree, who was our doctor in Buffalo. And yes, I went with me at night and got him up out of bed and get him to come to our house and see the dad. On January the 13th, 1961, 62, God called him home. <clears throat> that morning he went to the hospital. He said, I want you to go with him. I think he knew he would never be back. I'm the oldest of five children. I was 14 years old when Dad died. And I was 21 years old when they died. I already had my driver's license. And that puts you in a hard spot. At that point, my mother had never done any banking business, knew nothing about it. I never had anybody that could sign my note for me to go get a car or whatever. Gordon had to work and establish his own credit and everything before I could get anything. By 1973, I was building a new house. Thank God, I wasn't afraid of work. It won't hurt you. It won't hurt you a bit. In church, we had a good pastor at that time, Brother Otis Cates. He was pastor at Grandview Baptist Church for several years. One morning, or afternoon, it might have been, they, uh, they sung him and another, him and his wife and another couple, and they sung a song. They grabbed Gordon's heart, looking for our city. Thought it was the prettiest song I've ever heard. Still is my favorite today. Looking for a city. At that point, I was hooked on music. I've been in church all my life and heard every kind of song been sung. I never heard nothing like Looking for a City. From then on, there could be a singing going on somewhere or a revival. And Dad and I would go and attend those revivals, those gospel singing. We were up at Pleasant Ridge Baptist Church one time. There was a revival going on. Brother Walter Lane was a pastor preaching that revival. It went on for two weeks. Mm. It broke. And the next night they had prayer meeting and they called him back. Brother Lane, we need to come back. We don't feel the revival's over with. 54 got saved in that revival. Because God's people was praying. Prayer will do things. <clears throat> Shortly after Dad died, my mom died too. Mom died in 67. Draft Bowl. Draft Bowl was after me and my, my youngest brother. I joined the Army Reserve to keep going two years active duty. Draft got my younger brother. He was staying home sent to my two younger sisters. They had no parents. You don't know what, they don't have, didn't have programs back in the early 60s like you have today. 
help people. He would just have completed AIT and come home for Christmas. Right. <coughs> my two sisters, and I said, we're going to Paul Green to see Brother William Natcher. He was our congressman in Washington, D.C. Walked into his office, and I said, Brother Natcher, here's who I've been telling you about. I want you to talk to them personally. He talked to him a few minutes, he reached over and picked up the telephone, he called Old Fort Sill, Oklahoma, said, I want to speak to the commanding general. He said, well, he's not here. I said, he's good back, he's on Christmas break. When my brother walked in, second day of January, his discharge was handed him. That didn't stop him. Draft board, about a year later, he was married, draft board come after him again. I had two sisters still at home in school. And you're wondering how you're going to make it. And I was married. My other brother was married. My other brother's been drafted. You got two sisters still in school. And you're wondering how you're going to make it. I said that uh, I was hooked on gospel music, after hearing that word, the song, Looking for Our City, a few years ago, I guess it's been over 20 years ago now, I have got teamed up with Bill Twyman, and Bill, you all, among me, have been to these big gospel singings that we've had here in this church, and it'd be packed full. We, got, we started out doing New Year's Eve gospel singings. And then have a minister bring word at midnight out. My wife and I fed it. We got up over 900 people. My wife and I fed everybody that attended those things. We did when we come here. We had to feed the singers. My wife and I had to fed them. To know what joy is. Jesus, others, and you. I wouldn't take nothing in the world for my ventures in the gospel singing. I can't sing anymore because of tremors. And if I get to tell the next part of my story, I will tell about the tremors and several other things that has happened in my life. To me, this is the greatest honor that anybody can have. I don't care how long you don't speak but a minute. Get up and tell what God has done for you. He has brought me a long ways. I could have strayed from him when I went through a divorce. I never missed a Sunday. I called my brother and said, I want to go to church week on Sunday morning. Went on to Sunday. I never missed. I love Cecilia Baptist Church more than any place else. This is a great place. If you're not a member, you're looking for a church home. I tell you, join here. We'll preach us in many ways. You'll have to like one of them. <laughs> we, we love it. We love it. We love our pastor, our youth leader, and our music minister. What an honor it is to be able to say that you're a member of the Cecilia Baptist Church and of God's glory. 
that's everything. But for people oftentimes wondering, how in the world am I going to get through something? I think Gordon just explained it, amen? With God. So this morning we're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to bless our food at the end of this. We're going to release and we're going to go eat. I'm going to introduce our deacons to all of our church family, whether if you're a new member or if you're an existing member. Before we do that, though, I'm going to ask you to stand up. We're going to have a time of invitation, and then I will pray us out with the Spirit.